Yo, what is going on, guys? It is Caleb back here for another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. I got the fan going in my room. It's like 100 degrees, bro. Way too hot, but I'm still blessed. I live in San Jose. I can't be too much. And then I got the leaf blower going outside. So I, I'm probably just going to record this intro. I hope it's not too loud because I'm just trying to roll through these. But uh, anyways... Today, I am I'm tackling this solo again. I just feel like the last couple topics have made more sense to go solo. But um, I wanted to do a podcast on potential players in the NBA that I think could blow up, right? And so I would say think of this almost like penny stocks, like just a little bit. There's not a ton of risk, but... I mean, you never know. You could potentially see this player blowing up. And again, there's no heavy dope. There's some sort of NBA player stock market where you could invest in guys. So I don't even know how useful this is going to be for you. But maybe you could, I don't know, catch on to a player quicker. Before, you you know, your group of friends, you'd be like, hey, guys, this guy's nice. They're like, who's that? And then they blow up. You look smart as hell. Or, or just, I don't know, I'm in a fantasy league too. So I mean, even next year, some of these guys are, are guys you could see below. I mean, this year, if you said, if you told me that Bam Adebayo, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Brandon Ingram, DeMontis Sabonis, I mean, even Jason Brown, Jason Brown, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and then, I mean, Shy, there, I mean, there's a, I already said Shy, there's a bunch of guys that if you told me, like, sure, some of those I'd be like, yeah, I could see it, but some of them I'd be like, ah, I feel like they're two, three, maybe one year away from doing that. Um, but they all really came in their own. So every single guy, I'm going to try and stay with like you uh, still, you got your jaw Morant, your Zion Williamson's your Luke. Like I'm not, these are not the guys I'm going to be talking about. There's some borderline guys that maybe are like, all right, people already know they're pretty nice, but like, I, you know, I, I'm saying like star, star. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone on this list has maybe only a couple of the, have the potential to be like a superstar, but either way, I'm talking like even maybe like borderline all-star anyways, um, should be, should be pretty straightforward, should be pretty quick. And a lot of these guys, it's not like I'm right. My philosophy is always like half stats, half, uh, eye test. Cause you, you, you can't get everything from an eye test. Cause you might only watch them when they're playing nice or playing poorly. You know, they, they, there's a larger sample size than just what you've seen. eye test wise. Um, but it can't just be all numbers, right? You can manipulate numbers in ways to prove your point. So it's got to be a mix of both the right sort of stats that I think are most important in evaluating players and then seeing them on the court. Anyways, (laughs) I got way carried up. But anyways, um, a lot of these guys don't have like crazy stats, right, to to back up. So this is much more of an eye test thing. Um, there might be stats here and there that I bring up, but this is like, I've seen this guy and he's actually pretty nice. I hoop. they haven't played him a ton. He's still young. Like progression wise, this guy could be pretty good in a couple of years. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do today. I hope that's interesting or entertaining to you guys. Um, and I'm going to try and just keep you guys covered as we get up in closer and closer to the NBA season. So thanks again for tuning in guys. Without further ado, let's take a quick break. All right, so first off, we're starting with a guy that I love. And really, anyone I talk hoop with on a regular basis knows that I love this person and thinks I'm way too high on him. And that definitely could be the case. But for me, that guy is Jonathan Isaac. 
Um, and Jonathan Isaac is a guy that I I fall in love with for a while. I mean, you look at him; he's like six ten, six eleven. Still, honestly, still growing. He's twenty one. Crazy long wingspan, seven foot wingspan. Let me let me fact check myself first, real quick, to make sure. Uh, seven one wingspan. Yep, there you go. So you're looking at a six eleven guy with seven one wingspan, mobile as hell. Like think about like Giannis level mobile. Um, and can guard honestly almost one through five. Like there might be some fives that would be a little too big for him. He's probably not going to be amazing against someone like Joel, but honestly, he's so long. He makes up for so many things. And so, um, I mean, again, in his, just as he's 22, um, and this was his third year, he averaged 1.6 steals, 2.4 blocks a game. And the magic's defense was just significantly worse the rest of the year without him average, uh, gave up five more points per game without him on the floor, and um, he he does have a lot of limitations offensively, right? He he hasn't shown a consistent ability to shoot. He hasn't shown a super – while he is mobile, he hasn't shown an elite handle or an elite ability to create his own shot, but he's been good in transition. He's super long, and so you, you see, okay, the offensive ceiling is probably not of Brandon Ingram, right? But – I think you could he could eventually get to the point where he's averaging 17 to 20 points a game when he's 25, 26, and then you're you're putting that with elite defense. So, I mean, at his peak, I could see this guy averaging 18 points, six or seven rebounds, five or four to five assists with two steals and two blocks, which is crazy. That's, like, not really something we've seen. That It'd be sort of a Giannis-type mold, just scale it down offensively and uh, maybe even a little bit better defensively. Like, this is a guy who – Early on, obviously, he, he was hurt pretty middle of the year. But like, Giannis or AD probably still wins it over him, but he was in the defensive player of the year conversation for the short time he um, was playing. So um, I'm actually really excited. I, I hope he plays in Orlando. I mean, it's in Orlando. It, he's a very hardworking guy from what I've seen. Obviously, I haven't met him, but um, it was a pretty gnarly injury that he just had. It was – but he, he escaped without a torn ACL. But it was basically as bad as you could be without not without it being a torn ACL. Like he he messed up his knee for sure. But he's had like five six months now at this point. But where at least when the NBA season starts to have recovered, and, and obviously I don't want him to push it. But um, I'm excited to watch him play basketball again. And if you can tune into a Magic game just to see uh, Jonathan Jonathan Isaac defend, because that that guy's crazy. His hands are quick as hell moves super well and he's so so long um and the fact that on the floor with him this year the magic only gave up like 109 points per game when he was consistently playing next to Nikola Vucevic who is a defensive liability and Fournier who's pretty much a defensive liability DJ Augustine who's a very big defensive liability um and even Aaron Gordon makes up for plays but I mean he's not the best defender at this age either so um Jonathan Isaac is a guy I think can blow up. And he's he was a high lotto pick, right? Like, th- it's not going to get much more than Jonathan Isaac for me in terms of status. Like, from here we're going down. I, I have a couple more, which I'll actually start with, and then we can get in the more of the penny stuff. But anyway, second guy for me is going to be Cam Reddish. Um, Cam Reddish, again, a guy who t- got taken early. It was like either four, five, or six last year by the Hawks. I think Hunter went four. I think Cam was like six or eight, maybe at very worst eight. Um, but this is a guy I, I think is a Paul George like light. Like I think at his peak, he's a Paul George, and I don't think it 
really is that crazy of a, a thought to think he can get there. Um, he wasn't great as a whole this year, but really towards the end, he really got a lot better and, and he started shooting very bad. But like you're an 18 year old just tossed into the league, like you're not ready for that. Like unless you're Luka Doncic, you're not ready for that, especially as a guard shooting wise, right? So he started off with, but. Um, Reddish shot 41% from the field in January, 40% from beyond the arc. In February, shot 44% from the field. Um, and and Reddish post All-Star game shot 55% from the field, 46% from three. Oh, sorry, not not post All-Star game. That was that would have been crazy. In March, he shot 55% from the field, 47 from three, and averaged 17 points off the bench. Is just you. You more so just want to see improvement with your guys. It's not necessarily where they start; it's where they finish. And if you have a guy that started off poorly but finished really strong, I think you'll take that. He's so long, and he really takes pride in being a defender. You see a lot of wings come in, and it's like offense first. I had to get my offense at an NBA level. I mean, he's talked time and time again about defense and want, being, wanting to be one of the best two-way guys. So if that's your mindset, and you have the tools of Cam Reddish. Um, you know, I, I just and, – and the coach that believes you and, and Lloyd Pierce, um, I just think Cam Reddish is going to be uh, – there's a very good chance Cam Reddish is going to be a star. And so I don't know if that happens next year, but I think he'll have a good year next year if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective. He's going to be more comfortable. The more comfortable you are, the more shots you make, and he already has that defensive upside. So that's another guy. Um, lastly, I, I had to touch on him just because I've talked about him a lot in the past. I'm sorry for the noise right here. I'm taking a quick water break. But that is Michael Porter Jr. And I'm really interested to see um, one this year if, if Mike Malone trusts Michael Porter Jr. in the in the playoffs. Because the Nuggets are already such a deep team, right? And, and he has a lot of vets to use off the bench. I mean, you go down the line, Will Barton, and who, who starts out, Jeremy Grant. Mason Plumley is super reliable, um, has been there for a while. I mean, Monty Morris has only been there a little bit, but, I mean, you know he trusts Monty Morris off the bench. So uh, there's just, you know, a, a, not a ton of ton of spots to go around. Um, and and defensively is going to be the most important – defense is going to be the most important thing in Orlando. So for the Nuggets, when you have a guy that has a huge offensive ceiling like Michael Porter Jr. but gives up a lot – um, on the defensive end, just just small stuff that he hasn't picked up on yet. As a rook, you you'd like to think Michael Mike Malone will probably play it safe, but I think just in general, Michael Porter Jr. is is just freakishly talented. I think we've known that, but he looks very very healthy. He already at this age can create a shot really at any point, whether that be at the rim in the mid range or from three. At this age, at that size, he feels pretty comfortable doing that. I think Denver's a great place for him to be, just being in that culture. Honestly, every single day, like him knowing where he has to get to defensively to play is going to be big for him. Um, but he's already shown he has the offensive talent to be really, really good at this level. It's just going to come down to the defense. And, I mean, he has every tool to be passable defensively. And, honestly, a plus defender. He might not be mobile enough to stay with the threes, might be a little undersized as a four. But if he can continue to improve his mobility and so young um, on the perimeter, I think he can be a very good, solid defender. Um, and I'm, I'm just upside. Is, is he, I mean, I just watched it. It's not even stats. Like, I didn't even feel the need to look up stats, even though I'm sure I could find some. 
Um, I mean, you just watch that guy hoop, and it's like, oh, my God, that guy is an offensive talent. Like, don't overthink this. Um, and, and it looks like he's healthy now. I'm not. I'm sure he's not fully out of the clear yet, but um, I'm sure he's – it looks like he's doing much better than he has been in a really long time. So I'm happy for him. Hope he gets some run at least in the eight games uh, before the playoffs. I think that would be awesome to see. I love watching that guy hoop. Um, but that is my last guy where it's like, all right, pretty big name. The rest of these guys are, are pretty, not necessarily under the radar, but definitely just not at that level. And, uh, I'm going to start with someone who's very low. I'm going to start with some low guys right now. And the first is Casey Akpala. And for anyone that's listening to this in, I, I've talked about it briefly on, on other podcasts. I started a 30 team fantasy league with my boys when I was in eighth grade. And essentially, you you come into this league as a GM and salary, everything. And so if anyone is listening to this, I have Jonathan Isaac on my team. And I have a, a couple other guys that are on my team coming up later. So I actually like them, man. I'm not just saying that because they're on my team. They're on my team because I like them. So I already know I'm going to get some shit for some of these. But the first is Casey Akpala. And this is a guy that went early second round last year. It might have even been in the late first. But, no, I think it was like 32nd pick by the Miami Heat. Um, I love this dude. I call it the, the small KZ Paul fan group that exists calls this dude Baby Giannis. And that might be a stretch. We've seen some Baby Giannis's uh, flare out, most notably Bruno Caboclo. Um, but I think KZ's very, very similar to that in terms of um, – just the raw tools on defense. He's so long, dude. He's he's six eight and his. Let me check what his wingspan is. Six eight with a seven two wingspan, right? So, oh, with shoes six nine and a half, seven two wingspan, two hundred ten pound frame. He can get to the rim. He can put it down a little bit. He's not an amazing shooter, but he has the jump shot fundamentally down. It's just a matter of making it efficient. Um, but can get to the rim with that length. And then just obviously you can imagine how those tools play out on defense. Still going to have to figure out, but he's, you know, team defense at this level. But um, he's in the perfect situation in Miami. He was hurt for a lot of the year, played a couple games for the Heat. I, I want to say like two games, but um, started slow in the G League. I think it's because he was hurt, but took his time to, to get right and played like probably 15 G League games and just went stupid in them. I'm talking like five blocks, five steal games, and uh, that's a guy who can rebound. And, and so I just – I mean, I don't know. It sounds crazy right now to say KZ Apollo could be a star, but like and, – and Baby Giannis is a pretty big nickname to live up to, but like I would not be shocked at all if KZ Apollo turns into a very good player in this league. Uh, just took this year off, right? He wasn't really ready to play anyways. You got a really good Heat team. Um, this is a team that made – Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson useful this year. Like, not just useful, like good, big parts of the team. I'm going to not be surprised at all if KZ Paul is playing a, a decent role for the Miami Heat next, next year. Um, okay, next up, I, I might just roll with all the guys on my team. <laughs> Sorry, basketball dynasty guys. I, I love them. They're nice. Next up is Gogo Bitaze. Um, Goga this year, he was drafted uh, actually in the lotto. Or, or first pick outside a lot of or something like that by the Pacers um, last year. And so this was his first year in the league. And early on, he actually played the, – the Pacers had some injury issues with, with Miles Turner and Damana Sabonis. So he had to play some some spot duty very early on. And, and he was pretty serviceable. 
Um, and in those games, he was playing like 25, 30 minutes because like Turner or Sabonis or both were out. Um, and then they both came back and were pretty healthy the rest of the year. So he's kind of moved into this spot, like at best play 10, 15 minutes a game. But there's plenty of DNPs like sprinkled in there and then some G League. Um, and he was not great in those games. He wasn't good. Um, and it, But it was just such a small sample size. I think what I do look at and what I feel like is most important is just watching him in the in the skill set and body that he has. He's out of position a, a good amount, and he wasn't consistent offensively. But this is a guy that is comfortable taking the three, like not just corner three, like top of the key three, wing three, comfortable hitting the mid-range shot, and is so, so long. Um, and has potential to be a really good rim protector too. And and somewhat mobile as well, right? So he's 6'11 with a 7'2 wingspan as well. Mobile, hits the three. Think of it like a hmm. – he almost reminds me a little bit of Pau Gasol if Pau Gasol could shoot the three. And that sounds ridiculous, like – not saying this guy's going to be Pau Gasol, but I'm just saying the way he plays, uh, mobile enough like Pau. Pau was a, a much better interior scorer. Like Gogo will never be the interior scorer Pau was or even close, but he's serviceable. And, and Gogo would probably be a little bit better of a rim protector. So uh, if there's anyone, the, these these last two I did are, are not even going to be fantasy relevant next year. Uh, these are more longer shots, but – there you have it. This guy, now this next guy could be actually, if, I would be shocked if by the end of the year next year, he wasn't owned in like 75, 80% of leagues, and that's Terrence Davis. Uh, Terrence Davis is also on my team, um, was undrafted out of Ole Miss, had a lot of D1 football offers too, um, before obviously he got under, went undrafted, but um, chose basketball, was a baller out of Ole Miss, said, nah, if he, and he kind of played a part in being undrafted. He didn't want to take a late second-round deal and, and be on a two-way. Like He wanted to be in a situation where he could contribute, contri- contribute, and he felt like he was already at that level already um, of being ready to contribute. And that's just a whole different mindset, right? And, and not only was did he say that, he backed it up. He balled out with the Nuggets in Summer League, got signed by the Raptors, perfect place to be and was so good for them this year. Raptors actually, they dealt with some injury troubles this year, and and Terrence Davis was a huge part of stemming that. Um, This year shot 66% at the rim, 11th for NBA guards this year um, that it took uh, at least 130 attempts. Shot 39.6 from three, which is basically 40%, um, and and was a solid team defender in that Raptors system. So – um, obviously a long ways to go. He just got, uh, just went undrafted last year, but, um, Fred Van Vliet, I'd say it's 50, 50. He stays in Toronto next year. He's probably going to get a big payday that he can't really refuse in and probably a bigger role somewhere else. Um, uh, and the Raptors sh- probably shouldn't feel the pressure to, to match whatever Fred can get there because they have someone like Terrence Davis. I, I really don't think it'd be a stretch at all for him to be better than Van Vliet. Um, just from what we've seen this year. I mean, this was a hugely impressive year from Terrence Davis. I will say 60% of his shots were without a dribble. So I, I think um, obviously would need to see more from him from a creative standpoint. But I've seen enough from him just in general putting the ball on the floor in transition and, and the times he does need to do that 
I'm like, he can, he can be good at that as well. And I think he can be the next, honestly, the next Fred Van Vliet, just more of a scorer and less of a passer. Um, okay. Let's go with now. Now these aren't on my team. So anyways, Bob Williams is the next one for me. Center for the uh, center for the Celtics. Um, he is a guy who has struggled to really get consistent playing time. I think this is, was his third year. Um, and a lot of that's been injuries. Most of it's been injuries. But uh, early on, I don't think Brad Stevens trusted him in the defensive system. But this is a guy who can be an elite rim protector, and we know how valuable those are. If you're an elite rim protector, you don't really have to do anything else. Um, but uh, outside of the elite rim protector, just so mobile. He fits that Celtics system perfectly next to, to – like a small ball Tatum or a small ball uh, Hayward, um, and can just move so well. He's not going to be a great offensive player, but I mean, if you, yeah, I could see him eventually taking the reins and averaging something like twelve points with fourteen rebounds and two and a half, three blocks. If he gets thirty minutes a game, it's just going to have to be can he get to that? But I love his skill set. He's so uber athletic, and um, I think he's been there for a minute now. So I, I think. The more and more Brad begins to trust him, I, I think you could see him take the reins in maybe like a 28-minute-per-night basis um, in a year or two. Okay. Oh, another guy I love is, there is Grant Williams. He's not sexy at all, but I think that's a guy that is going to be in the league for a while. He's a guy who just does everything and makes winning plays. Um, and I think the Celtics think that too. But he's – I mean, he doesn't get a ton of love, but he's going to play – uh, honestly, a pretty crucial role for the Celtics in the playoffs this year already, I would think. Maybe not crucial. That's probably a stretch. But he's going to play some important minutes for sure. All right. Let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll wrap it up with the rest of these players. All right. Let's uh, let's give you some more penny stock players to invest in. Um, next up, after Bob Williams, and these aren't honestly necessarily in order. This is just I'm just going with it. Um, next up is Matisse Thibault. I think that's another guy that a lot of people like, but I don't think people quite realize how much of a menace that dude is on defense. Like that guy actually has go-go gadget arms. I let's, I got to get the measurements on this guy. I should have had these pulled up. I apologize. Seven foot wingspan and he's six five, bro. Like that is crazy. How do you have a? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Think about that. If you if you saw him on the court. And he just had his like a he has the wingspan of Joel Embiid, and he's six five. Yeah, I mean that's just crazy, and it showed, man. He two steals a, a game this year, just picking guys like they go, they can blow by him. It doesn't matter. Just that reach around from behind, boop, tip that out. I love potentially what Matisse Thybul can do. He's still so young. He's at least shot it this year. He didn't shoot it great, but. He pulled it when he was open from three, and that's really all you can ask for him to do. Menace defensively. I'm talking about lockup. I'm talking about picking guys. I'm talking about hands disrupting passing lanes. Like He's a big reason why I still think the, the Sixers have a shot this year is, is just because that they've got so many defenders, and Matisse is just another one of them. They're always going to have at least three-plus defenders on the floor, um, and I'm not even really talking about the offense. I 3 and D is such a valuable skill set at the NBA. I could see him being a top three, t- top three, three and D guy, and maybe who knows, making an all-star team. Um, 
yes, it's very early, and yes, he's a little offensively challenged, but I mean, it's kind of similar to Jonathan Isaac. If you can be that good defensively, like you're, you don't have to get to this crazy level in offense because your value's not even going to come from that. Um, next up, Lonnie Walker. Uh, Lonnie Walker is another guy who uh, might might get too much love, but I think honestly, this last this last, for those of you that don't know, obviously when you think of Lonnie Walker, you think of the crazy ass hair, like. Alfred Payton level almost to the point where you're like, okay, dude, like I understand expressing yourself, but like that actually looks like it's hindering you on the basketball court. Like I think you could be better if you just trimmed it a little bit, right? Like pretty unnecessary, but again, do you, it's your hair. Like I'm not hating. Um, but he, he posted on Instagram just, I'd say like two weeks ago, they was shaving it off and that he got sexually abused as a kid and the hair was the one thing he could kind of control in his life. And so it was a coping mechanism. And he said he's finally released all that. He's ready to go. He shaved it off. And I think that's just a huge mental burden being lifted off. I mean, I don't know what to what the level was. I don't know if he was thinking about it every day in the NBA. But when you're dealing with that, it's hard to deal with everything else. And so if he's finally released that, he already has the physical tools and skill set. It's a little weird situation in San Antonio because they have three point guards who are all pretty similar in terms of how much they contribute to winning. They, Some of them have worked. I mean, you can almost play Lonnie at the three, but like they, it's been more DeJounte, Derek White lineups. Anyways, it's not the greatest situation to be in for him, but I mean, the guy's just so talented. He single-handedly won him a game against the Rockets this year where he just went off. And, and so it's just about consistency at this point. He's freakishly athletic can do everything you need him to do offensively and defensively. Um, and now he's got that weight lifted off his shoulder. So I hope we get to see some Lonnie Walker in Orlando. Um, I, I still wonder, I think DeJounte has the reins on being the one guard. I think White can play the two. Um, and, and they can find ways to make all of that work. Um, and I would honestly make this that a priority in Orlando. I want to see you know what Lonnie has because um, they're, they're coming up soon where they're going to have to decide, all right, are we going to extend him? Uh, okay, next up, Eric, Eric Pascal, another guy that I think a lot of people think a lot about, but he was just so much better than I thought he was going to be this year, right? He, he still needs to work on the jumper. He, he looks like he put so much effort into the jumper, and that's why mid-ranger was pretty nice, but, but from three, he struggled this year. I think he's going to have to figure out a way to make that a little bit less work, um, but defensively, he was solid enough in Curtis' system, and I, I loved how he went from really killing it at the start of the year to, okay, NBA teams figured him out. And then he came back and had a really strong second half of the year. It's also going to be a lot different for him next year in, in terms of the role he plays and a lot less shots. So that's one thing, but that's a guy who just gives it a hundred percent whenever he's out on the court, but whether that's defensively or offensively, you know, crashing the rim. Um, I'm excited what what he can do next year. And if he can be a vital piece for the Warriors, obviously as a Warriors fan, the more ready Eric Pasco is next year, the better odds we have. To, I would like to think, I would like to think from what we've gone through, what we've seen, we've seen Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green be the three best players on a team that won the most games in regular season history and won a title, obviously, separately. Um, again, we don't have a good dollar. Again, we don't have some of the guys that we had then. 
But if Eric Pascal can turn and and Dre, Steph, and Claire five years older, but I, I would like to think we got a shot, and Eric Pascal is going to be a huge part of that. If he can give a solid twenty to twenty five minutes next year, um, at the three and four, probably the four, um, that would be huge. That would be really really huge in in helping us next year. Okay. Uh, lastly, we got Cam Johnson. Uh, Cam Johnson is another guy who can absolutely stroke it. Um, and to come in the league like that, yes, he's 23, but to come in the league like that and stroke it the way he did, right? Phoenix was running pin downs and, and everything for him. Um, that's just a good sign. I don't think guys come in the league, rarely do guys come in the league as a rookie and shoot it as well as Cam Johnson did. Everything else he really needs to work on. As a team defender, he wasn't as bad as they thought he was going to be, but still bad. Um, has to work on on other facets of his game, getting in the rim, scoring um, things that aren't just <laughs> wide open threes or, or running off screens on threes. And then I think once he starts to score more in other ways, that's when you start to see the gravity that you get from um, top-tier guys in the league where when you're running off screens, defenses are whoop, looking at that and it's creating good looks for others. If he can start to do that, and, and then if he can get downhill, boom, it's just it it's gonna help him open things up. And I think Cam Johnson could be a pretty damn big piece of what is going on in in the Phoenix rebuild. That's it. He can't he's like to the Phoenix rebuild what Cam Reddish is to the Hawks rebuild. The Hawks are obviously further along, but if Cam Johnson because they can rely on Book, they can probably rely on Aiden to be a, a solid center. If Cam can can go from role player to, oh, boom, starting three or four, you're in business in Phoenix. Anyways, um, I went into it on, on my last pod about uh, a little bit towards the end. Don't know how many people heard it, and I've just touched on it here and there multiple times. I wanted to just take the time now to talk about Sorry, another quick water break. Three teams on the outside besides the Clippers, uh, Lakers, and Bucks that I think have a shot at, uh, at a title run. And I think part of the reason that all three of these teams have a shot, I don't think these three would have a shot or as good of a shot had it been a normal regular season. But I think in this format, it helps them. And I think in this format, in general, levels the playing field, right? You, and it should. There's no home court advantage. Everyone's kind of thrown into this weird situation, and you don't know how certain teams are going to react. A team like – we'll get into it. But I'm just saying in general, I think this levels the playing field, and I make – I think obviously the better teams still are going to be the favorite. But I think I, these three teams that I have are, are pretty large long shots to win a title. I think all of them are at least plus 1,000. Um and I'll get into that. But uh, let me pull it up right here, though, so I have that in front of me. But I want to talk on and, and tell you why I feel they have legitimate shots. Okay. The first is the Toronto Raptors. And I've talked about the Toronto Raptors a lot at on, on multiple different podcasts, and, and especially last one. So I think this is the one I'll keep the shortest. Um, and, and But the Toronto Raptors are a team that – So to close out this pod, I wanted to talk about three teams outside of the Bucks, Clips, and Lakers that I think have a legit shot 
to uh, maybe win this thing. And again, it's for sure an outside shot. Um, but I think these both, both all three of these teams are teams that are being counted out by the general NBA fan. And I just wanted to play devil's advocate and talk about why these three teams could potentially make a run. And I will say uh, part of it off the bat for all three three teams is I, I believe this format uh, definitely helps them. And just in general, the change uh, compared to if the playoffs and championship had been, you know, normally happened the way it should have happened. Um, and I, I think obviously you have no no home court advantage. Everything's the playing field is leveled. Everyone is just playing hoop on the same court with absolutely no fans. And so in general, you're not going to know. I mean, there's no way to really know how. Uh, any team is going to react to that. Some teams are going to handle that better than others, and that could be the difference in terms of how what that final product is on the court, even if one team's better. Um, and so I think all three of these teams actually are, are pretty well equipped to handle that. Um, and, and just in general, with all the craziness that's going on, it just gives teams a better shot outside of just the home court advantage. Um, so that's why I think even more so – you consider these three teams because you're not even gonna have to worry about playing on the road, which would be an issue for some of these teams. Um, and the first team, and I, again, I've talked about a couple of these teams at least multiple times on other podcasts, but I wanted to just take a couple, like 10, 15 minutes to talk about them and, and give them their own time. And the first is the Toronto Raptors. I've talked about them the most, um, but this is a, a super, well-coached team, right? Nick Nurse won Coach of the Year last year. They won the NBA championship last year. Obviously, KD goes down, but the Raptors deserve a ton, a ton of credit. Uh, They won that championship, both against the Warriors and everything they did to get to that point to play the Warriors. Um, And uh, there was no real drop-off this year. Obviously, you know, maybe at their peak, they weren't as good as they were, but they dealt with a ton of injuries this year. They handled them. They're so well-coached. They're, they're so smart defensively. They, Kyle Lowry is a captain captain out there. They have rim protectors and Boucher, Ibaka, kind of Marcus They have perimeter disruptors in, in Norman Powell, somewhat Terrence Davis, Pascal Siakam, and Kyle Lowry. Um, and so, one, when you have that floor of a good defense, solid fundamental defense, you have the championship experience. A lot of those guys were on that team last year. Um, and then you just have an overall organization that handled this really well, right? They're out in Florida right now as we speak um, as a team practicing every day. And I think that's that's very important. It seems like, you know, there's some guys I, I watch Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball just got to New Orleans, right? There's a lot of teams that are, still have a lot to figure out. And the Raptors have been on the same page from the start. You see Mark Gasol come in, post pictures, looking skinnier than we've ever seen him. You know, I mean, that's got to be – if the Raptors weren't given – if the Raptors did not give off a vibe, all right, let's let's do this as a team. I don't think you see Mark Gasol come back that way. So you have a team that's already been there in, in Florida for a while. They are going to be locked in, ready to go. Um, and you saw them just last year. Yes, they had Kawhi. Yes, they had Danny Green. But you saw them just last year beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, the Bucks are better. But to give them plus 1,800, which is what they are right now to win the title, I think that's just a little too steep. I think you're looking at around plus 1,000, maybe plus 1,100 or 200. 
Um, I especially like him to win the Eastern Conference at plus 700. I think that's very, 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 very good value. And uh, something I would definitely consider hitting just because they have the experience. They're already there. They're prepared. You know what you're going to get from them. Um, and and the, the Bucks are, are going to be favored, and they as they should be. They're an incredible team. But we still haven't seen them do it when it matters. And this is set up for them for it to be the year they do do it. There's just too much value for me. I mean, you can't count the Raptors out in this spot with the preparation and the personnel that they have. I mean, you know, it's just tough for me to do that. All right, second team, um, one that I've talked about a lot as well as the Philadelphia 76ers, even hinted at it in this spot. They're plus 2,000 to win the NBA championship and plus 800 to win the Eastern Conference. Would sprinkle a little bit on both, definitely more on the Eastern Conference. Um, from what I've seen uh, – they have been locked in for a while. Joel's been in the gym two times a day with his teammates for the past two months, he said. Um, they're locked in, ready to go. You saw Joel Embiid crying after the the game against the Raptors last year. They lost to the eventual NBA champions in Toronto in a game that which, if that goes to overtime, Philly would have been the favorite to win. Like They had played better than the, the Raptors for the majority of that game. And then Kawhi hits an absolutely incredible shot to win it. And, and that's what it comes down to at at times, right? It's a, it is a make or miss league at at a certain point. And so they were that close to beating the NBA champs. You know, they have that on their shoulders, right? That is something that stays with you. You can't cry. You can't mean that much to you and it not stay with you. I'm not saying it affects you negatively, but it's staying with you and in your mind and and, and motivated. Um, and so you you know you hear the reports that they've been there working out as a team for a while. You have the big thing for me is five. You could consider maybe four and a half elite defenders. Joel Embiid, obviously you don't want him on in transition covering Giannis, but at the rim, perfect, great rim protector down there. Uh, ben Simmons, who's an absolute. Tasmanian devil on defense. He's everywhere. He's so long. He's closing out. He's picking pockets. He's disrupting passing lanes. He's recovering and helping at the rim. Can't say enough about him as a defender. Matisse Thibault, who I spent earlier in the pod talking about, absolutely great defender. Go go get Mr. Go go gadget. Josh Richardson, who maybe it's a stretch to call him elite, but just very above average as a defender. Defended in Miami. That's why he was getting 38 minutes a game in Miami as a second year player. Um, you you have that there, and then you have Al Horford, who's the known Giannis stopper. Maybe not so much this year, but he's been the best guy guarding Giannis for year after year. So you you literally have that in your back pocket. That's got to give you some confidence. They just Milwaukee won three of the four games, but Philly did destroy them once in Philly. So you know it's there. You've done it. You just have to do it consistently. And Ben Simmons still. Has not the, the lack of shooting definitely hurts, but I was thinking about this. I actually had a dream about it. What if Ben Simmons comes into the playoffs and has a jumper? Like, you've got to think he's been putting up jumpers during quarantine, right? Like, he just had a free four, three months to shoot jumpers. What if it's at the point where now open threes in the corner, open threes top of the key, he feels comfortable taking? I don't know. He's still at this point. The, the Sixers offense has scored more points per 100 possessions with him as a point guard, which is troubling, very, very troubling. But he does so many other things well. I think if he's able to slow down the game on defense, 
I, I, I don't know, man. The Sixers team has a shot. And then lastly, too, you have a guy that you can go to in crunch time when the game is slowed down and Joel Embiid. And he, you know he's going to draw foul after foul down there. He's going to – he's got a bag down there. It's not even just about, you know, finding fouls. He, you don't have to foul him. He's going to turn around shimmy shimmy, put it in you, whether that's either a, a, a hook or a fadeaway. So, I mean, the Sixers show – check every box you need as, a, as an underdog in these playoffs. Um, and, yes, they did not play well – really for much of the year but you know what they can do at their peak and plus 2200 is is a too much in terms of you know if they get to their peak which is very possible um and definitely plus 800 will be throwing on those and the last team is the houston rockets the houston rockets i think this um this layoff helped them a lot one i think james harden cut weight you saw that um, but two, it gives them a chance, one, almost to, to continue to talk through their style, right? It's, it's a new thing that they've been, uh, I don't know how much they, they have the style. They know what they're doing there, but it's chaos. It's chaos. It's something the NBA's never seen. And this whole Orlando thing is chaos. So why, like, it's just a perfect theme. It's just, Let's run our chaos in this chaotic Orlando, and and you never know what can happen if James Harden and Russell Westbrook get going. And again, I've talked about numerous times. I'm a Russell Westbrook hater. He's in in the playoffs. Has not gotten his team out of the first round. Had two years to do it with Paul George against the Jazz and the Blazers. Not freakishly crazy tough task. Came up short, and uh, a lot of that was because Russell would take some dumbass shots. But for the last two months before quarantine, it was all transition. It was all just boom, line drives, finishing at the rim. And he took less than a three a game. And that's what if Russell Westbrook can do that and stick to his strengths and James Harden is balling and can play off of him and let him go when he's going. I mean, you saw that first game where, where Covington or I don't know if it was Covington or P.J. Tucker took the jump ball. They beat the Lakers in L.A. It's just chaos. It's something you've never seen. And and so when you're not even playing traditional basketball, sometimes traditional basketball rules and favorites and underdogs don't even apply. So the Rockets in that chaotic setting, and they defend. They do. James Harden, to his credit, can switch and bang with, with bigger guys. Like I don't think the Rockets feel that uncomfortable with, with James or PJ banging down low. Like uh, They've done a decent job. I thought they were going to have struggles. Uh, rebounding and defending down low, they really it wasn't that bad for them, um, and they just create so much space now with the way they play. So you have that offensive space, James Harden. I think part of my knock on James Harden too was, all right, dude, you're you're putting in this insane style of basketball for 82 game regular season, and then you've seen them break down in the playoffs. They, they were last year in Houston in a closeout game where if they lose, they go home. There were times where he was in the backcourt when the Rockets had the ball it happened in game seven against the Warriors too like he hasn't been able to close these games out for as good of a player as he is and I think part of that is is rest and so now you get James Harden healthy I think that's as valuable or healthy just rest I think that's as as valuable as really any other guy besides maybe PG in LA or maybe Braun but I feel like Braun is always chilling the the rest definitely helps but um yeah, you just see a crazy style that was effective and and rest for your best player who's had an insane workload and, 
And you talk about workload. Russ has not had the easiest of workloads uh, the past couple of years as well. So you're getting them at plus 1,500 to win the NBA ship. And you can get them at uh, plus 700 to win the West. I think those are all I, – I, I think if I had to go in terms of favorite, I think I go just in the respective conference. I think my favorite bet is uh, Raptors plus 700, I think. If they're in I, – I, I, I don't know how the exact – things should stay where the Raptors are too. If that's the case, their toughest task will be the Bucks in the finals in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they shouldn't be plus 700 to lose that. If anything, you can hedge out of that. I think the Sixers, too, if anyone does uh, – why can't I talk? If anyone does pose problems to the Bucks in the playoffs, outside of the Raptors, it's going to be the Sixers. Um, so right behind them at plus 800. I know a lot of people love the Celtics. I get it. They're a sexy team. Jalen, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward's hooping. Daniel Tice is playing well. They got Marcus Smart. They got dudes. They got guys. Ennis Cantor. They got guys. Grant Williams. They don't have any guy for Giannis. You can't throw Ennis Cantor on Giannis. You can't throw Grant Williams on Giannis. You can't throw Ennis Cantor or Daniel Tice on Joel Embiid. He's going to eat you, and he has eaten them. So, I mean, that's just a big matchup problem. I think the Celtics could definitely beat the Raptors, honestly. If they're matched up in a series, I would not be surprised at all if the Celtics beat the Raptors. But the Raptors have a hell of a lot better shot of beating the Bucs, and that's ultimately who you know you're going to have to go through. So that's why I'm going Raptors and Sixers. Celtics are sexy, but they don't have anyone to guard Joel Embiid and Giannis, and they're going to meet one of those guys within the second or third rounds. So also think the Thunder are a fun long shot to win the West. That's probably kind of ridiculous, but I love, I love what they got going on in OKC. Um and that's a team that really, really wants to win with Chris Paul at the head. I will be if they're if they're facing the Jazz first round, I'll be banging the Thunder heavy. Anyways, appreciate you guys all tuning in for another edition of my podcast and the Logger Drive Hoops podcast. We'll be keeping you covered as we get closer and closer to the NBA restart. Um, again, I, I got a lot of fun stuff coming. The YouTube will be getting up. And ready to go as we get closer to the season, doing previews of betting previews of every game. Not even necessarily if there's a play. Just like here's what you need to know. Here's a here's what's going on with both sides. Um, but again, if you listen this far, appreciate you, love you. Hope you're all staying safe. Crazy ass time in the world, but uh, do you be safe? And uh, we'll be back soon with another edition. Appreciate you guys. Peace. <laughs>